as you rise in the ranks, you will acquire more power. And with that, people are more likely to want to please you and listen to you more attentively, to agree with you more, and even to laugh more at your jokes. And all of those tickle your ego. And when the ego gets tickled, it grows. So this episode is all about how to keep your ego in check so that you maintain your effectiveness and your ego doesn't get in the way by it becoming a destructive force. Instead, we want your ego to continue to fuel your self-confidence while also staying humble. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. So a bit of behind the scenes, this is the first time that I am recording this podcast while also having a little puppy in the house. I'm super excited. We added a new family member to our household last Saturday. Uh, we got a little puppy. Her name is Coco. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, Ramona.Shara.Leadership, then you might have seen her cute, cute little face. She's absolutely adorable. And you might think that it's the kids who have been begging for a dog, but that's not the case for us. Uh, I've been actually been wanting a dog for quite some time. I think it's really cool to grow up with a pet. I grew up with a little cat and I loved her so, so much. And I wanted to give my kids that experience too. So with that in mind, now that schools are back open and my kids are back in school, and now I do have a puppy to take care of to make sure she doesn't intervene with coaching calls and podcast recordings and trainings and so forth. So that's um, something fun that I'm practicing this week and trying to get a schedule going and to make sure that she gets all the love she needs while my clients also get the attention and love that they need. So that's a little bit of behind the scenes of what's going on in my life. But today it's about ego. And leadership specifically. And actually, I want to tell you why I wanted to bring this to this podcast. At any given time, I'm reading a number of books. I think right now I'm reading, I'm in the midst of reading about three books. And then I choose based on my mood on which one I want to read. But I'm also listening to a few books on Audible at any given time. The book that I just finished listening to is called Hot Seat, What I Learned Leading a Great American Company. It's by Jeff Imlet. He was the former CEO of GE, and he talks about how he became to be the CEO um, as a successor of Jack Welsh, how he managed through numerous crises, including 9-11 and financial crisis, just to name two of them. And how he dealt with uncertainty, how he dealt with adversity. And then at the end, he talks pretty openly and vulnerably about how he got managed out. 
And as I was listening to this, I thought about the ego and how the ego can get in the way, um, how the ego got in the way of some of the leaders that he was managing, some of the CEOs of GE companies, and how he was dealing with his own ego along the way, including at that final, the final couple of years. So I wanted to t- bring this back to this podcast, not to talk about the book Hot Seat in itself, although I will Uh, link to it in the show notes. Now, it's not one of those books where I think, oh, this is a wonderful and amazing leadership book and every leader should read it. Although I do think that there's so much that we can learn from former CEOs and leaders who go back and sort of have a self-reflective journey and bring back their lessons learned for us to learn from them and stand on their shoulders. I think this is huge. Uh, but I especially like listening to books like this where they tell a lot of stories and events. And I like listening to it while I'm at the gym or while I'm driving. And I thought this was a great book for, for that. I thought his stories were very entertaining, impactful. And there were definitely several notes that I took along the way as I was listening to it. Uh, okay, but now let's dive into ego and leadership. As I was saying in the introduction, the ego grows when it gets tickled. And when you're in a leadership role, you notice how people start to look at you differently. They may consider you more important. They now listen to you differently. They take any suggestions that you have as directives or orders. They may ask you more questions. They may praise you more. They acknowledge you more and all of that. And that can stroke your ego. And then as a result of that, the ego will grow. So as you are evolving as a leader and you're climbing the ranks as a leader, it's really, really important that you are aware of this and that you are able to intentionally keep your ego in check. Because if left to its own devices, it will likely grow and expand and take over and make you less effective. And ultimately, it can easily derail you in your career, make you a boss that people don't like working for, you might still be really knowledgeable because you're intelligent and you get stuff done, but people won't enjoy being led by you. They don't want to be on your team. They're not coming to you as a mentor, as the coach that they're seeking to be influenced by, that they won't follow you to different companies. They don't have the sense of loyalty towards you. And I think right now, we are experiencing an unprecedented kind of war on talent and that term or theme or even trend called great resignation, you might not be able to offer your employees increasing financial compensation to lure them in or to keep them and to retain the talent. The asset that you have available is loyalty, trust, and helping them grow professionally and personally. And that's your secret weapon to fight this war on talent and to combat the side effects and implications in that time where we experience this great resignation. And when it comes to doing all this, your ego has to be in check. So this is really, really important. And if you're listening to this and you wonder if this show is for you because you don't consider yourself to be arrogant or to have a strong ego or to be selfish and all that, then pay attention because the ego can be very subtle. It can show up in fear and worry and self-doubt. And 
It's a human thing. So while, yes, there's strong arrogance or even narcissism that takes it to a different level, but for most of us, an ego that keeps growing as we grow in our leadership roles and responsibilities is a natural side effect. And so your job is simply to be intentional and conscious that this is happening and acknowledge it and curb the effect it has on you and your leadership style. So I'm going to talk about how you identify egan-driven tendencies and actually want you to really reflect on your own behaviors and your thoughts and be really, really honest about it as we go through this. And then I also list out sort of the counter mechanism to those tendencies that make you a more humble leader. And then we'll talk about four specific thought traps or thinking errors, meaning beliefs that can sneak up on you that will then put your ego in the driver's seat and how to overcome those. And then finally, at the end of the podcast, I'll talk about the four-step process to curb your ego, keep that in check. So let's talk about some of the tendencies that we see in ego-driven leaders who have very strong, not only self-esteem, but also a high, high sense of self-importance. And when we see ego-driven leaders, now, this is the moment where you want to be very self-reflective and have an honest look at how you're showing up. They're usually difficult to approach. So if you notice that people say, or you've heard, or you feel that they may be intimidated by you, that could be a sign that your ego is showing up too much. Another one is that you would talk more than you listen. So if you notice that in team meetings, in one-on-ones, you're the one who's doing most of the talking, that would be another red flag. Uh, next one is being defensive. So whenever someone says something that comes across as a bit of a blame or an accusation, and you immediately move into a defensive mode and you find yourself defending your stance or defending your approach or defending your opinion, another red flag. Next up is feeling threatened by other success. So the sense of comparing to others, seeing other people getting promoted and feeling like you have to catch up and feeling that threat, it's a, it's a, it's a sense of fear that'll kick in. That's another indicator that the ego might be out of balance. And then there are two more that I think are important here to talk about. One is to be unwilling to acknowledge weaknesses. So if you think it's weak of you to acknowledge a weakness, then that might be your ego talking. The last one is to blame. You find yourself finger pointing and blaming others frequently. Again, it's a protective mechanism that's run by your ego. When we now look at the flip side of this and we look at some of the traits and behaviors that we see by humble leaders, then what we see is an open and warm attitude in interactions. They come across as very approachable and relatable. They listen way more than they talk and they always want to learn. There's a huge amount of curiosity and interest in learning. They're generally and genuinely interested in other people's perspectives. And that goes back to wanting to learn, really wanting to understand other people. And it's also showing that humble care for other people. They celebrate and highlight other people's successes 
and they want what's best for the organization. So instead of wanting to protect their own success or feeling fearful about their role or job, they will celebrate, highlight, emphasize, support other people's successes, even if that means someone else is going faster on the career train, or if that means that they're now, for example, reporting to someone who was formerly their direct report. That can be a bit of a hit to the ego, but they get along with it because they see that that's what's best for the organization and uh, they don't compare so much. They also are vulnerable to their weaknesses. So they are looking and having honest conversations about mistakes that they make or things that they're not doing well yet and that they're learning. That in itself is a sign that we all are human. We all have weaknesses, that making mistakes is an opportunity to learn, that feel failures and setbacks are setups for future success, that we all make mistakes and that in mistakes, there's always something to learn. Humble leaders also take responsibility. They will look at an issue or a challenge and instead of finger pointing and blaming others, they will look for ways that they co-created or contributed to the situation and that's where their focus is. And then lastly, they seek advice from others. They want to hear other people's opinions. They want to leverage other people's strength. And they do not have to be the smartest person in the room. And they do not have to be in the spotlight. There's, in fact, this great quote that I like a lot. It's from Niccolo Machiavelli. And he said, the first method for estimating the intelligence of a ruler is to look at the man he has around him. Now, modern days, we would, of course, say the first method for estimating the intelligence of a leader is to look at the people, men and women, they have around them. And I think it brings this to the point. Uh, Someone who has to have the strongest voice, who has to have the final say, someone who has to be the smartest person in the room, that is usually an ego-driven leader. And then the humble leaders are those who surround themselves with other experts and they want to leverage their strength and the other people's expertise in order to be effective in their work. Oftentimes when a client brings a challenge to me and I notice that the ego is part of this, a principle that then we often get back to is that as a leader, your goal is to be effective. Your goal is not to be right. It's not about being right. It's all about your effectiveness because being right is very short-sighted and it weakens your communication and it weakens relationships. And as a leader, one of your big goals is to create results through others. So if you weaken communication and you weaken relationships because you want to be right, you're not going to be effective in the long term. So being effective versus being right is huge. And it plays into this conversation of how to control your ego. Okay, so now let's move on to these thinking traps. And the ones that I want to highlight here are actually by Bruce Eckfeld. I thought they were spot on and definitely thoughts that I notice a lot of times in coaching conversations with clients. So see if those come up for you here or there. The first one is, I'm important because I'm needed. Now, it sounds like such an innocent thought, but the problem here and where this will get in the way of your effectiveness is that you will always want to be in control. You will always make sure that you are needed and therefore you'll never make your team be self-sufficient. And I've seen this too many times where leaders in 
insert and enmesh themselves so much that they always have this sense of uh, importance and being needed. But they will never be promoted out of their role because as an organization, it doesn't make sense to promote this leader and move them into a different role if then as a result, the whole team will flounder. So your role in order to level up is to make your team more and more self-sufficient, to make them better at the tasks than you ever were so that you can free up your headspace and your time to tackle more strategic, more higher level things and demonstrate that you're ready for the next promotion. The thing that will keep you stuck and will slow down your career progression will be to make yourself indispensable and irreplaceable. And this is a perfect example of how the ego will get in the way. The second one of the four thought traps or thinking errors I want to highlight is, is the following. People look to me because I am smart. Now, you might even have heard your parents praise you for your intelligence, praise you for being the smart one, and your identity is so tied up that my success is because I am smart and I have to always be the smartest person in the room in order to be successful. As a result, you will never hire other people who are smarter than you because that would be an immediate disconnect and threat to your identity. And we as humans, we don't do stuff that threatens our identity. We'll never do. So when you hold on to this belief, and again, it can be very unconscious, like subtle belief that lingers in the back of your mind. But if you do and you notice, oh, interesting, that's maybe why I don't like having super strong high performers on my team, because then I fear of not being the smartest, or I do not hire the one who's be equally qualified, even more qualified to do the job than I am because of the same reasons. But we also know, and I guess that intellectually you understand that in order to succeed, you want to hire the best people around you and surround yourself with people smarter than you so that you can um, so that you can learn from them and create results through them. Your job no longer is to do it. You're not the expert leader. You're now a people leader, more so than the expert leader. So that's number two. Number three, It's bad if I make a mistake. So if you worry about making mistakes, of course, this will have a ripple effect on your team. They will never feel okay making mistakes and they will um, hide them from you. They will be risk averse because they think it's a big issue if you make mistakes. But that's just one negative side effect. The other one is actually that as an IC, not making mistakes was a good thing uh, because you also had to deal with less complexity and probably less uncertainty. But as you climb as a leader, you'll be dealing with more and more complexity and more and more uncertainty. And making wrong decisions is inevitable. It's inevitable because you have to make decisions with incomplete information and only the most complex and difficult decisions will be escalated up to you to make. And it's just part of the job. So getting comfortable with making mistakes will make it easier on your team and will make you be more humble in your leadership approach. Last but not least, here's another thought error is, I can never show doubt. I sort of always have to be very uh, convinced and I have to be very confident in everything I do and everything that I say. And again, this is a bit of the ego speaking, right? This level of self-esteem and self-confidence that needs to be portrayed to the outside. And then also this self-importance, I have to always act with conviction. 
But the way it will get in the way is that you're not really showing up in conversations from this curiosity mindset, from listening, from evaluating different opinions. And your team may not feel comfortable challenging you and bringing in different perspectives. And as a result, your decision-making will not be as strong as if you are open to discussing different opinions. You let people see that you still have doubts in what's the best course of action. You encourage an open, honest dialogue, challenging and opposing ideas in order to challenge your own thinking and then therefore make better decisions. Those were the four traps that I think are pretty common and that are driven and fueled by an ego that's slightly or a lot out of balance. So let me quickly repeat. First one was, I'm important because I'm needed. Second one was, people look to me because I'm smart. Third one is, it's bad if I make a mistake. And fourth one is, I can never show doubt. I'm actually really curious. If you took a note on this and you're like, ah, one of those is definitely me. I can see how that shows up. Send me a message me on social media, LinkedIn or Instagram, um, or send me a message at contact at RamonaShaw.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, I don't want to just give you all this information and food for thought to be more self-reflective and how ego might be showing up in your leadership approach. I also want to leave you with a four-step process to help you navigate the ego when you notice it's about to take charge. So the first thing that you want to do when this happens is that you want to simply acknowledge it and understand that this is very human. Your ego is speaking up. It's part of being a human and it is okay. Just acknowledge it. You can also have fun with it and say like, oh, my ego is talking. So funny. Or like, oh, this fear, that's the ego speaking. I don't have to act based on it. I can just listen to the thought, acknowledge it, and then I can choose how I want to act just because I have a thought doesn't mean that that's the truth and doesn't mean I have to react based on it. I can choose a different thought. And here's where I think it's really important to have your guiding principles set up to be really clear on how do I want to show up? What kind of standards do I set for myself as a leader? And then those standards and those principles will define your next actions. And you might have heard me talk about my APS method. The APS method and how I help leaders grow and specifically new managers transition successfully from an IC role into their first leadership role is through awareness, which is the A, principles, the P, and then S is the leadership system that they develop. So becoming aware in this case of your ego and your tendencies of where your ego might be kicking in a bit too much, and then setting really clear principles and standards in order to guide your actions and then your leadership systems about the repeatable practices and routines that you do, the things that you do in order to live by your principles. So in this case, like, right, acknowledging it has to do with with your awareness and then the principles will guide your actions. And then, for example, if you'd say like, oh, this is a moment where I want to listen more and ask more questions, uh, for you to have a coach-like approach instead of being an advice giver and the coaching skills and coaching conversations that will be part of your leadership system. Okay, so that was step number one. Step number two is to make sure that you focus on your own journey, your work, and not to compare. It's really easy to compare, but that will just fuel your ego-driven behaviors. So refrain from comparing because it's not useful. Everyone's going at their own pace, and all that matters is that you're doing the right thing and you're showing up as the best self that you can be, the best leader that you can be. 
The third one is to make sure that you always keep in mind that you are replaceable. So in that book that I mentioned at the beginning called Hot Seat uh, by Jeff Inlet, he talks about how after so many years in the CEO role of Chi and how much he was giving and the weekends and the trips and the working hours and the effort and the stress that he endured and, and all that. And then at the end when he left, the board didn't show him a huge sense of gratitude. And then his successor started and he packed up his box and he took an Uber and he went back home. And it was clear how he replaceable he actually was. While in the job, it seemed like he was irreplaceable. No one else could carry that kind of burden. But the truth of the matter is every person is replaceable. And so was he. So reminding yourself of the fact that the world will keep spinning, the organization will continue to be successful, and someone else will be able to step into your shoes, they will rise to the occasion, and will move forward in their own unique way. But you are replaceable. And then the last one here is to never stop learning. Like one of the principles that I often think about is, and this completely made up numbers, but I, I like, like to see myself in my field of expertise with that mindset of, I know 2% of all there is to know, and 98% I, I don't know yet. So how can I find out? How can I read more, learn more, talk to people more, ask more questions, engage more, and all of that just to tap into the 98% that I don't know yet. Despite me having strong habits of, of always reading and always learning I like to come from this place of, I only know 2%. There's so much more I need to know and need to learn. And I think that helps me personally always stay humble and stay open and also be okay changing my opinion. I might say something today and then next week I have new information, new insights, saw or heard a different perspective. And I'm okay changing my opinion along the way. I think that's what makes us stay humble and makes us grow along the way. Because again, we don't need to be right. We need to be effective. So that's the four-step process. Number one, acknowledge, listen to it, don't react on it. Simply focus on who you want to be and then act from that place. Second, focus on your journey. Don't compare. Do your own work. Number three, remind yourself that you're replaceable. And number four, never stop learning. Look at how much you don't know yet and focus on that versus focusing on how much you already do no, that's the four-step process. So this is a longer episode. There's a lot to cover <laughs> around ego and leadership. I hope you found this helpful. Uh, I'd love to hear your key takeaway from this episode. Connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'll add my handles in the show notes down below or message me at contact at ramonashaw.com. And if there are other people that you work with or that you know, friends who are also leaders and they would benefit from hearing this episode too, please please share it along. It would mean so much to me. I think this message around ego and leadership is so important to spread. And then I'm especially passionate about it because my mission is to have more people love Monday mornings than they do Fridays. They say TGIM versus TGIF because they get to contribute, thrive, feel connected and heard and seen in the workplace. And it all starts with leadership. That's all I got for you today. I'll see you next week on another episode of the Manager Track Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you then. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager 
and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.